in just a moment. Uh, Dan Huffstetler is going to come and open up the Word of God to us. I have asked him to give a short little update about the, what the Lord is doing in his family and in his ministry there, and then open the Word of God for us. So I know that will be a blessing to you all. Um, it's a privilege. He is, he is ministering right now in Uganda. I feel like it hasn't been that long since I saw him, since he was at that SOS ministry there, and he's been uh, laboring there. Uh, so we're excited to hear what the Lord has from us. I think the first time I really remember having a conversation with Dan was in a computer lab at Detroit Seminary. Um, I, I think he was working on his THM, and I was getting ready to transition from the MDiv I was graduating from into my THM, and we were, we were both laboring, probably under the gun of some like deadline that was about two hours from being due. But uh, that's my first memory of Dan. That would probably be 2004. So um, I've known Dan for a little while now. And one of our joys and privileges is partnering with godly men and women in the foreign context who are taking the resources the Lord has given to us and investing them in eternity by laboring faithfully with the gospel. So it's our privilege to have Dan with us this morning. So Dan, would you come and please open up the word of God for us? All right. Good to be with you this morning. Give me the thumbs up if I'm working. All right, sounds like I'm working, so great. It's so good to be with you. The first memory I have of Pastor Mark involves coffee and donuts. And I think it was roughly the same experience, because uh, that's pretty much what got me through seminary at uh, that stage of life, where the donuts and the, and the coffee in the, in the student lounge area. So good to be back among you. Uh, it's been a few years since I was last here. I think I was trying to figure it out, and, you know, memories just kind of get all confused, but 2021 might have been, uh, March of 2021, maybe, so if some of you were here then, you may or may not remember uh, this face. Uh, my family is in Uganda at the moment, so if you've met Angela, uh, Karis is actually in the States here in, in college, and Faith and Michaela are also uh, with my wife in Uganda, Kubamitwe is the name of the village. It's about two hours outside of Kampala. I brought a few prayer cards. If you didn't get one of these uh, last time I was here uh, or from the back table at some point, there are a few more back there on the table, so let me encourage you to grab one of those and pray for us. Uh, if that uh, would help you uh, remember us, we'd certainly appreciate your prayer uh, for us. Uh, life has been a whirlwind for the last year plus, uh, coming out of COVID and transitioning from Kenya to Uganda. Uh, we have just been holding on uh, best we know how and trusting the Lord for his grace and goodness, uh, which has uh, continues to strengthen us and help us in the, in the places we go and the, the opportunities we have to serve him. Sufficiency of Scripture Ministries, you've heard it mentioned a little bit, SOS Ministries uh, is based outside of Kampala, Uganda, in the village of Kubamitwe. Uh, there's, don't try to repeat that word very often. It's difficult unless you have lots of practice. Uh, but SOS Ministries is about 15 years old, a little bit more than that. And a number of ministries are located on a couple hundred acres out there in the village. We are about 30 minutes off of a paved road in the, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and many, many people in that part of the world live in those areas. The, the urban areas tend to be a little less populated, at least compared to where the massive most of the population lives. And so around us are a number of villages. A lot of people live uh, all over uh, the rural areas around us. They, they make their own homes out of the ground. Uh, they grow their own food out of the ground. Uh, they live on a couple hundred dollars a year, to be honest. Uh, they're amazingly resourceful uh, in, in how they survive. 
uh, and have for generations uh, in this place. And SOS Ministries has uh, ultimately sought to bring the gospel to people who live a long ways away from what you might call civilization, uh, you know, urban life as we know it. I'm just struck by the differences as I go from one place to another. Uh, just the culture, you know, even though I'm from this culture, it, it, there are huge differences uh, many times. And just the way you live, the way I live, the way they live, it's, it's, sometimes it's confusing for me, and I don't know how to act when I go different places. Uh, but the Lord, I'm sure, will give me grace to survive the experience this morning uh, and hopefully not stumble too much uh, as I try to fit into Bakersfield. Um, a number of ministries there at SOS uh, that I'll just briefly mention, I won't talk too much about, but there's a number of different arms. Uh, we are led by someone by the name of Shannon Hurley, who has way too much energy for someone his age, and he has begun a number of ministries. I'm part of a couple of them, uh, serving in, in a number of capacities, but especially Shepherd's Training College is the ministry uh, involved in training, trying to provide theological pastoral training for uh, churches, men in ministry. We have about 50 students right now uh, who have just showed up a few weeks ago from all over Uganda, a few from South Sudan. We, we hope and pray to be able to reach into Congo and Kenya in the years to come uh, because the place we're located is a place where training can, can happen more affordably than it could in other places uh, that are far more expensive, even in that part of the world, in East Africa, to, uh, to do what we're trying to do. There's a medical clinic uh, that, that, that serves the local community with lower-end medical needs. Uh, community Bible Church of Kubami Tue is a large church that meets there on our campus. Uh, we've kind of outgrown our building. We're meeting in an outdoor facility, part of really the college facility, and uh, we have about five to 600 people that come every Sunday. Uh, a lot of those are unsupervised children, and so we have all kinds of fun. Uh, without a building, meeting outside with hundreds of kids who have to use the bathroom every five minutes. And so we have all kinds of fun trying to figure out what are we going to do next Sunday. Uh, there is an auditorium being built that should hold about 1,000, and so uh, we are looking forward to not only the church having a home, but really the ministry being able to uh, serve as something of a center for training, for reform, for instruction uh, in East Africa. There are a uh, couple denominations, you might call, call them, the Baptist Union in Uganda uh, is a very, it's an organization that's really struggling, and SOS has tried to come alongside of it and help it. Uh, the Baptist Convention of South Sudan is in a similar place. And so these are just organizations that were planted by missionaries that are, are really struggling in, a, in many ways, and SOS, through, through, mostly through relationships, has been able to befriend and kind of host them for for meetings, uh, the, you've probably heard of the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, when they had their annual general meeting in like Anaheim, or I think, I think it was in Anaheim recently. Thousands of convention delegates came, and you know, the new, even the news media covered it, right? Because was, there was some big news from time to time out of that. And so in Uganda, we, SOS Ministries is able to host, and recently did host, the Ugandan meeting uh, for the Baptist Convention or the Baptist Union in Uganda. And so just some really unusual, unique opportunities that uh, SOS has uh, through, through where we're located, the facilities God's given us, uh, and some of the different things we're involved in. So church, medical clinic, uh, there are some community outreach efforts through uh, handicapped individuals. Some of you may have heard of 
Johnny and friends. I'm still struggling with how to say Johnny because sometimes I say Joni, and then my wife has to remind me frequently that it's Johnny, I think, I think, hopefully I'm saying it right, and friends who uh, really seek to love and serve handicapped individuals uh, throughout the world in many ways. And so SOS is kind of a regional hub for them. And we had a couple hundred wheelchairs that recently were delivered, walkers, um, crutches, canes, all sorts of things that are extremely valuable. I mean, I was looking at some of this equipment, and I was like, this is a $4,000 wheelchair sitting in a village in Uganda. How did this get here? And it was all wrapped up and prepared, uh, probably came from someplace in the U.S. and had been donated to the ministry. And so in a place where there is very little medical care, there are more physical challenges than you can imagine many times. And so it is extremely frequent for me to see someone who just never had access to medical care. And so they have a limp, they, or they, are in a, they have a, a cane, or they have some physical problem, and they're le- dealing with that for their entire life. And so we just have a lot of different ways to uh, minister to uh, the community around us and, and the nation and the region in some ways. And so uh, we see some wonderful opportunity, not only through the college, which I'm really directly involved in, but the church, uh, because our students will come and they'll be a part of our church. Uh, there are over a hundred and hundred some buildings on our campus. We're in the middle of building dormitories for not only single students, but married couples and their families who will, Lord willing, join the college in, in, in 2024. And so it's a unique place. Uh, you, you have to visit it kind of wrap your mind around a lot of what is happening, and I think you're going to be hearing more about that in the future, so I will cut it short there, Uh, but hopefully that gives you a little bit of a feel for what we are involved in and what God is is doing in our lives. Uh, We have a bunch of teenage girls in the house, uh, and so lots of fun, uh, except for my wife, she's not a teenager, but uh, we we are having lots of fun as as a husband who grew up with three brothers. I'm continually being educated uh, about how to mature and develop as a husband. So those of you with daughters probably can commiserate a little bit and uh, learning, learning something pretty much every week about how to live well with the ones God has put under my care. So pray for them while I'm away. I'm away for a few weeks. I'm here for the conference, Shepherd's Conference, and I'm going to see my other daughter down in South Carolina, take a, take a vehicle to her so she can get around a little bit and hopefully get a job to pay for it in the near future. And so appreciate your prayers for us as we are busy serving the Lord. I know you are serving the Lord here, and uh, I, we've had an, a long-term somewhat relationship here with Crossway. It's always exciting to be back. Uh, we re- really value the friendship, the partnership we have with you. Uh, I've been invading the Eli house uh, the last couple nights, and I've done that for a few of you over the, over the times I have visited. And I look forward to getting the whole family back. I think it, I feel like it was 2018 since the whole family was here, so unfortunately... That is the case, but we will seek to fix that soon, Uh, and we are just excited to be partnered with you and have any opportunity we have to get to know you and visit once again. So as we look into God's Word this morning, briefly, we're going to look in the Gospel of John, and I'm going to read John chapter 1, read a couple different passages there, and speak to you about following Jesus, discipleship lessons from the Gospel of John, following Jesus. John chapter 1 is where... Uh, the, the Apostle John introduces us to our Lord and Savior, and he does so in kind of an interesting way. Uh, if you're familiar with the first chapter, there are some simple words that contain big ideas, 
in that chapter. And I'm going to mention it. We're going to look at a few of them, and then we're going to really step back a little bit and kind of look at Jesus' interactions with some of the people he's rubbing shoulders with, some of the people he's meeting. And I hope you will be encouraged as you as we seek to be on mission for the Lord, as we seek to serve the Lord wherever he drops us, right? Some of us are in Kenya, some of us are in Bakersfield, some of us are in Uganda, different places. We've, we've prayed for someone who's, I think, in another country on the other side of the world, uh, in an Asian country. And the Lord takes us different places, but we're all here with a purpose and, with, and on mission. And I, I think it'd probably even be foolish to think that we're all fully understanding what that means. And so in some ways, I'm, I'm speaking to believer and unbeliever this morning. Uh, you might be an unbeliever amongst us. And I, and I really want to bring your nose right to the scripture page, and I want you to see who the Lord Jesus is this morning. We, we had the Lord's table, and maybe that's a familiar ceremony, a familiar uh, function for you, but maybe for some of you it's not, and you are wondering, what are they doing, and why are they doing it, and why is that meaningful? And I would hope this morning that as we look at who this person is, briefly, and then consider some of his interactions with the people around him and what impact that had on them and kind of how he went about doing that, that it would be an encouragement to you, maybe even a challenge to you, to live your life like he did and to, and to pull some lessons for how we can interact with uh, believer and unbeliever amongst us. So let me pray briefly, and then we'll read uh, a bit of the first chapter give it a little bit of talk, and then we'll read a little bit more of the end of the chapter of John 1, and we'll look at this text. So pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all that is contained herein. Lord, we are going to spend our whole lives understanding what has been revealed to us and desiring to know the Son of God. And, and we pray that this morning that you would move us a bit farther in our comprehension, our understanding, in our, in our walk, in our relationship with your Son. We know you've revealed yourself in your Son. We pray that we would know you more uh, by understanding what has been given to us in John chapter 1. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John 1, 1 through 5, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shone in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I really want you to see the son in his glory, in grace and in truth. He uses simple words, the apostle, in writing this letter, light, life, grace, truth. He claims that everything that was created was created by this person. We have lived in his creation for however many years we have been on the planet. We have experienced life, but he says that he, the Lord Jesus, is life. What does he mean by that? 
What is, what is your life like? Do you enjoy your life? Is your life worth living? As we get older, we have opportunities to evaluate our lives and to think about why we're here and what we're doing with it and what guides us and what leads us and, and what are we following and why are we following it. And that's probably, even for believer, a, a regular question that we need to ask ourselves. We are inundated, aren't we, with worldly philosophy, worldly thinking, worldly examples all around us. And we gather on the Lord's Day to recenter ourselves around what's really important. And so every believer certainly needs to spend time understanding what John is teaching and, and helping us to understand about the Lord. But, but there's probably an unbeliever this morning that, that the Jesus talk, yes, okay, but it really has no impact on your life day to day. You, you're no different from your neighbors. You're no different from the people you see on your phone or the TV or wherever you see the culture and the life around you. And that is really not the picture we see in this gospel and in the scriptures. A relationship with Jesus Christ should radically change your life. Whether you're in the village in Africa or whether you're in urban Bakersfield or whether you're in urban Africa or wherever you are, God's word and his son is revealed in, this, in his word and his spirit within and the word before us should change who we are radically. And as we look at some of what the Lord has to say this morning, as, as he evangelized really others, as he had interactions with others, I hope it gives you an opportunity to, to look at your relationship with others. As you think of the unbelievers in your circle of influence, uh, mothers, if you think of the pagan children that you disciple on a regular basis in your home, uh, fathers too, maybe it's coworkers, maybe it's family, maybe it's a spouse. I, I don't know who I'm looking at this morning in many ways. Most of you do not know me, and I do not know you. Uh, so we don't know very much about each other, but we know the same Lord, and we can live and learn much by understanding who He is. Such simple words, yet such big ideas revealed to us even in this gospel. If you're on John 1, turn the page over to verse, tw to, to verse 29. And we're, gonna, we're just going to peep in, into the Lord's interactions. Uh, John the, we've kind of skipped over John the Baptist and his introduction to the Lord in John 1 and uh, his preparation uh, for revealing the Son of God. We're going to catch a little bit in verse 29, and we're going to read to the end of the chapter. So as we do that, just kind of pay attention to some of the people who are involved and what's going on. And just ask yourself, you know, there's times when we read the Bible and we're like, Okay, I've read that before, no big deal, we just keep moving, but we don't stop and say, you know, that's not normal. Whatever just happened there, that never happens in my life. Or what exactly is taking place when we see some of the communication? So, I mean, put your antennas up, pay close attention to what's taking place, and we'll, we're going to come back and see a lot of it. Verse 29, it says, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, this is John the Baptist, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All right, we've heard that probably before, but if a Jew, especially a Hebrew prophet, is calling somebody else the Lamb of God, every Jew that hears that is going to have a huge question mark about who is this person? How can the person be a lamb? Because Jews know what happens to lambs, and it's not usually very good. So if, we're, if this is a person who's the Lamb of God, what is he saying? So many Jews should have been thinking. John, John continues, verse 30, This is he of whom I said... After he, after me, comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, 
But for this person, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness and saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove. And it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Verse 35, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. These are John's disciples saying, Time to go. We're following him. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Notice they didn't answer the question. He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, Can you just imagine this, right? The first time you see someone, he immediately looks at you and says something about you. He knows you. He says, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Someone just told you to follow them. Would you do that? I would not do that. What, what, what is happening that, that people just drop what they're doing and follow this person? Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law And also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Daniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And the answer is what? No, nothing good can come out of Nazareth, right? That's why he's saying it. Philip said to him, come and see. Okay, let's go. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold. Again, Jesus is saying surprising things. An Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Daniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Well, that's a sudden, sudden uh, comment from what we've read so far. Why does he think that? Why does he know that? What, what is happening here? Verse 50, Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Following Jesus, we're kind of being introduced to some of the early disciples. I'm trusting that many of you know a little bit about who these people are, so I'm not going to be able to tell you all that. If you don't, speak to your neighbor after the service and they'll help you with this. But we're being introduced to a number of the well-known disciples that that the New Testament we reveals a whole lot more about. And in the course of this, uh, Jesus is, is calling them to follow him, and they drop everything, and they follow him. Uh, way back in verse 29, I think it's, it's interesting uh, what takes place as Jesus, as John the Baptist introduces this person. You know, if you're, uh, you know, even today, uh, if you think about uh, famous pastors, famous, famous speakers, uh, they're largely interested in gathering people to listen to them, right? It's not, uh, a very, it's not very often that you see someone who comes and says, my only job is to, is to help the next guy. 
which is exactly what you see John the Baptist doing. And as he introduces this person, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, I'm here to point to him, and then I'm, I'm going to get out of the way. Uh, John, is, John the Baptist is an unusual character in our Bible. There's a lot of, of interesting lifestyle decisions that he made and what he ate and what he wore and some of the things he did, but he's here to point to Christ. And he does that, and he gets out of the way. And the thing I kind of want you to notice, though, is what his disciples do. We saw it in verse 29 and 36, but when the, the disciples of John hear what their leader is saying, their loyalty to the truth causes them to pursue the truth. And the leader gets out of the way. John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and steps back. And really, this is a picture for really all Christian leaders, isn't it? That, that it's not about the leader, right? We, we're here to point to the truth. We're here to point to the Son of God. We're here to point to the Lamb of God, and, and we want you to help, help, find, help you find him. And, and, and if I get in the way, I'm in the way. And John the Baptist himself realizes this. And so he's not offended that his disciples leave him to follow the Lord. I think it's a great pattern, a great example of, of a leader and people who pursue the truth. We live in a day where there are contrasting views of the truth. Living on the other side of the world and, and watching the news uh, from time to time within this country, I'm amazed at the relevancy, irrelevancy of truth and the ambiguity of so many things that were, like, just like 10 years ago, obvious to everyone. It's, it's a strange new world we live in, and the truth is what must be known. You must pursue the truth. You must know the truth. The truth is being revealed to you. The one who is grace and truth, who is the life, who is light, revealing truth, must be pursued by you. And you have godly leaders and teachers who stand up every Sunday during the week trying to point to him. They step out of the way and they say, follow the truth, pursue the truth. And I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Just like John, Get out. We want to get out of the way and point to the one who is the truth and appeal to you to find the truth in your word. Dig deep. Don't be satisfied with, with a shallow knowledge, a shallow understanding of the Son of God. There is more between this, the covers of this book than you will be able to discover in your lifetime about this person. And I want, I want, I want you to see how precious Jesus is and how much you need to dedicate your life to follow and pursue the Son of God, the truth that is standing before you, is written before you, very easy to understand. You know, you're not in a, you're not in a place where someone has to translate the truth to you. Every single time I speak, practically, uh, to a, a broader audience in Uganda, there's a translator who's rewording everything I say. So it just, I'm, I'm almost out of practice for a normal sermon, because I'm used to an interrupter over here who's like, okay, now my turn, okay, now your turn, okay, and then we talk on top of each other sometimes, and it's kind of frustrating, because the truth has to be translated to people, who, who may, many of whom don't have one of these. They don't have one of these, and if they did, they probably couldn't read it. Okay. That's not your world. You don't have excuses like others have. The phone, the, you know, there's so many tools in the English language. We are 
I'm actually teaching a writing course at the college right now, and I'm beating these guys over the head because I'm saying, guys, if you can just learn how to read and understand English, you will unlock a door to more information than you know what to do with uh, to serve your Lord. And so learn English while you have this little opportunity, this little window at Shepherd's Training College in Uganda. Learn the language so that you can use it and serve your Lord more effectively. So pursue the truth, and and the Lord Jesus Christ is the truth. Are you pursuing that truth this morning? Are you on mission to point to Jesus and to get out of the way like we see John, his disciples? I mean, think about it. You're following your your prophet, John the Baptist, who's pretty impressive. I mean, he's the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, and all of a sudden the Messiah comes by, and you have to leave and go. Uh, that, That was, you know, that took some guts to say, I, the truth is so important, I must follow. My loyalty to my, my master at this point has now switched to the Messiah, to the Son of God, and, I, and I'm going to follow him. I think it's, it's interesting that John is able to let him go and not be offended by what they do. Verse 38, as we continue to look, uh, just a couple interactions in this text. Verse 38, uh, we see that there's, there's some questions involved. Jesus sees these disciples coming his way, right? And he says, uh, what do you seek? What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Notice that uh, as soon as someone approaches Jesus, at least in this context and many other times, he asks them a question. And I think that's maybe instructful for us, even as we engage others in this context or outside this context. Uh, what exa- why are you here? In other words, what are you seeking in life that you're here? Jesus speaks to these two new disciples who've come, or these former disciples of John, and says, what, why are you here? What are you looking for? And I think that's a very applicable question to us this morning, every Sunday, every Lord's Day. Why, why are you here? Do you have anything else to do? I mean, what, what's motivating you to be here? Maybe you're an unbeliever this morning, and you've come, and I don't know what your reason might be, but what, what is motivating you? behind what you're doing. Uh, these disciples came, and they wanted to know more of Jesus, and, and they, they didn't really ask him questions about who he was. Did you notice that? They, they want to know where he is, where he's going, where are you staying? What's the implication? We want to spend quality time with you. We have a lot of questions. We have more questions than we have time for on the road. So where are you going? Because we have a lot that we need to know. Jesus is open to that even. He's, he's like, fine, come with me, uh, I'll show you. He's willing to uh, let them ask questions. He's willing to dialogue with them. And I want to encourage you, whether you're a believer and you've been one for decades, or you're a young believer, or you're not a believer, that, that the Christian faith and this church and God's Word is a place where all questions can be handled. There's no subject that we are not willing to discuss if you've got a question about Jesus, we've got the answer, and it's here. And we'll be more than happy to either give you the answer or find the answer. But you have to have the question. You have to be willing to say, I need to know more. How do I know Jesus more? Can I show up for two hours on Sunday and that's enough? That'll survive for the rest of the week? That's all the Jesus I need? These guys, they want to know Jesus. They want to spend time with Jesus. They want to live with Jesus. And Jesus recognizes and says, well... Come with me. We've got some things, some things to learn. I just want you to step back and kind of think about your life, right? And what is my relationship with the Lord? 
For every single person in the room, it's probably different. I don't know you. I don't know when you became a believer. I don't know how devoted you are to, to the Lord Jesus. All of us probably need to be encouraged and challenged to pursue him even more, to ask questions, to, to desire to know him, to pursue the truth, to, to ask questions that will get answers. You know, we are way too satisfied with the limited knowledge we have. The promises God gives us in his word, the, the life God offers through his son, a great percentage of us are, are not really that interested in digging deep into that. We're just happy we, we don't have to go to hell. You know, so if I don't have to go to hell, I'll be okay. okay. Just make sure I don't have to do that. I don't want to really know anything else. It, we, it's like, there's a whole lot more to who the Lord is and, and what your eternity is like and what your, your life should be now in this person. And you need to be devouring it and asking for more and asking questions and desiring to spend time with people who know him more. Living with them. Go invade their home and ask a bunch of, why do you do that? Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Why do we do this? Ask questions. Uh, this, is a, this is a wonderful way to, to really evangelize sometimes too. If you're a, if you're a believer, right? get into people's lives a little bit. One of the big differences between our culture and an East African culture is the, is the questions. Uh, when we walk into a room, and many times, the, we're the only ones asking questions. It's really awkward because it's like they're not gonna, they won't say anything. They'll just look at us. We'll be like, uh, okay, you know. We, and in this culture, it's, it's not very, people don't like to open their lives. They don't like to, they don't like to tell you stuff that they don't want you to know, which is just about everything. So they're, they're not eager to reveal information. You really have to get in there and, and pull it out of them. Your culture is a little bit different, and that's a blessing in some ways. Uh, so let me encourage you to ask questions. You can do it without being offensive. Uh, and, and if you ever try to have a conversation where you're the only person asking questions for 45 minutes and you're 20 years older than the individual, it just can be challenging uh, to, to have those kinds of relationships. But that, that's where God's put us. That's the place we have. And you're in a different context. You're in a different place. But the ability to ask questions and push people to ask questions and encourage questions and challenge people on the lack of information they know and the lack of life that they've thought through is a wonderful opportunity for you to share Christ, share the hope of Christ in his word with people. Let me encourage you to do that. Verse 39, we see Jesus was willing to walk with them, to live life with them. He wanted them to ask questions. He wanted to live with them and spend time with them. You know, basically, he said, join me. Come and see. He doesn't have anything to hide. That is the Jesus of, God, of, this, of this book. God has nothing to hide. Christian people have nothing to hide. You want to know? You've got questions? We've got answers. Those answers might not be exactly what you want to hear every time, but those are the answers. We have nothing we want to hide. And we live in a world where it's hard to get people to tell the truth. People use lots of code words. If you watch the news very long, we've, we've invented new words to describe really wicked things. And we, we, we hide things we don't want everyone to see. And that's, that's not who we are as Christians. That shouldn't be who we are. We should be eager for you to join us, to come, 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 see what we're like. Come watch me. Come watch me with my kids. I'm going to make mistakes. Come, come spend some time in my home. Come live with us. Come walk with us as we do life together. I hope that is how you think about what it means to be 
Christian, as you think about how to share Christ with others, as, as, we, try to, as we think about who this person is and we want to help people who, who are struggling to understand, maybe they don't even care at this point, how, how do we help them become interested? How do, we, how do we work with the Spirit and His Word to bring conviction to a heart and a life? Questions are a great, great way to start. And then make them walk with you a little bit, right? Get into their life a little bit and find out, help them see that their life is really shallow. They haven't thought through many, many, many things. Uh, just this past couple, couple days ago, I was speaking to the staff, which are about 150 people, uh, many of them villagers from, from around our ministry, and I just, I just go to the gospel with them and, and remind them that everybody wants to know what the future is. And, and we're offering you, we're offering you understanding of what your, the purpose of your life now and the purpose of your life in the future. God's word contains that information. There are no cultures that believe that everything ends at death. And as I, and as I talk to a bunch of East Africans who have a high regard for their ancestors, uh, recently there was a dusk devil. You know, we do, you, know, you know what those things are? Little tornadoes that came and ripped the roof off somebody's house right outside the, uh, this main junction. And um, many people in the community believed an ancestor had visited the home when that took place, because they have a, they have a very vivid uh, belief that the ancestors re- revisit them, and offerings and things made to ancestors are common. And so, reminding my local community that your ancestors cared about, the, cared about the afterlife, and you do too, whether you'll admit it or not, you do too. And here is the one who's given us his word and his son who will explain these things for you. You should be asking me questions. I should not be asking you questions. And just challenging people to get into God's Word, to look for answers, to ask questions, to spend time with us, pursue the truth, walk with people, let them ask questions, ask questions of them, like Jesus is doing in this text. Ways to impact people, ways to share Christ with people. There's so much uh, in this Word that, that could be shared with others. One of the encouraging things about this text that that John shows us in verses 40 and 41 is that God's word changed people. Once truth got inside people's heads, their lives were completely different. Jesus says, follow me. Jesus says, come. And people come. They drop everything they're doing and they want to be with him. And as we see this the, the disciples trying to tell other people who they are who they want to introduce them to you can just read the excitement, can't you? Uh, we have found the Messiah. Come and see. And despite the skepticism of others, they come. And this is obviously chapter one. And, and John, is, what is John doing in this book? He's trying, this is the last gospel written historically. He is trying to convince uh, the readers in the New Testament, or the New Testament era, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. Uh, many believe this gospel was written later in, in John's life. So John is trying to summarize things. He's trying to bring together things that maybe the other gospel writers didn't write. And he's trying to help his world understand who this person was who was crucified on a cross decades ago, yet has spread his believers all over the Roman Empire. Who is this person? So he's telling these stories about Jesus' interaction with these early disciples. And as the truth got inside people's lives, they were radically changed. Look at verse 40 and 41. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He was 
he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ, right? He's, he, who does he go to first? What does Andrew do? Does Andrew say, well, this is nice. I think I'm just going to meditate on this for a while. What, he immediately finds family and he tells family who he has met. I think there's something for us that, that when Jesus Christ comes into a life, when you meet the Lord Jesus and understand who he is, then your life is different and you have to tell other people. What happens when we get good news? You, you, you know, you, if you, you want to tell someone that news, who do you usually go to? You don't walk outside and walk down, down the street five houses and knock on the house of the neighbor you've never met and uh, you've only seen drive into your garage you know, for the last five years, but you've never met him. You don't usually go to that house and say, hey, I, got, I just learned something new. Can I tell you about it? You probably go to the person in your house. You go to your family, you, you, somebody you know really well. When there's, when there's exciting news, you, 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 the truth, the, the, the new information that's come to you, you share. You have to share. You, you're, some of us are more uh, eager to share information than others. One of the things I've learned being married now for 20-some years is that I tend not to share information as quickly as others would like it. Some people would like to know information like right away, immediately, like every night. And I tend to want to wait a couple weeks before, and you know, maybe they find out some other way, and it's okay, but it's not okay. They want to know the truth, and they want to know it right away. And, and then I should, I should want to communicate the truth uh, as the truth changes me, and that's what you see happening in these disciples' lives. They can't contain what they know. They have to tell, and boom, where's family? I got to tell family. I got to tell other people that I love and know of, of the truth of the Son of God that has changed me. And I, and I want to encourage us as believers to let the truth change you. I mean, we're looking at the, the, just the very introduction of Jesus Christ. There is a whole lot more information in both directions about the person of Jesus Christ that should change your relationships. I have information. I, have, I know a person who is light and life and grace and truth. He is beyond your imagination. You need to know him. Come with me to my Bible study, to church. Come read the Bible with me over a cup of coffee. I, I, you have to know this. He, he has changed me, and I have to share this with you. That's, that, that's what's happening here, right? And that's not always what's happening here, is it? Or in my life. And, and I just, as believers, I just kind of want us to step back and say, what is going on here? And why is, is that happening in my life? And, and what needs to change in my life and in my relationships? And, and do I know the Son like, like these people do? Do I have that desire? Am I willing to ask questions, even hard questions? No matter how long you've been a believer, you should have some questions. You don't know everything. I don't know everything. There's a lot of things I do not know. I need help. And I know where to get help. But I got, I got to want the help. And I need to go to the source for help. And I want to encourage all of us this morning to do that very thing. Recognize the truth of who Jesus Christ is, who he says he is. Look at verse uh, 41. We have found the Messiah who is the Christ. That's a bold claim. Even this gospel, right? The words that are ascribed to the person of Jesus. We, 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 we can't just say, okay, that's nice. No, that's either crazy or it's true. It, the the things that are described and, and help us understand who Jesus is are, are so out there, aren't they? When, when you think about 
how he is portrayed and how he is described and all that, that the scripture does, this is not just a nice prophet or a nice man with some wise words. I mean, you, he's either a complete lunatic or he is the Lord of glory. He's either a total liar or he is exactly who he says he is. There's no, there's no in-between here. It's just not intellectually safe or, or realistic to, to say something else. We, we have to either get on one side of the road or the other. If you stand in the middle and, and kind of just dodge the cars, you will not dodge the cars. They will run you over. Life will run you over because you're, you're not, you haven't committed yourself. We, if you're a believer this morning, let me encourage you to press into who Jesus Christ claims to be. If you're an unbeliever this morning, what do you think about this person? I want you to see he is more than capable, more than willing to answer your questions. He is more than willing to have you join him in this walk of life. And there should be a lot of people in this body who would love to do that with you. They'd love to answer your questions. They would love to show to you what they know of this person who is light and life, and grace, and truth, and far more than we probably even imagine that we will spend eternity learning about. The scriptures have so much to reveal about Jesus They follow as they follow him. You know, we're not, we're not making these things up. This is not Dan's imaginations. These are, this is the word that's been passed down for thousands of years now. I just want to encourage you to know it, to love it, to pursue the person of Christ as revealed in this in this word. John, as I said, we're just in the beginning. He's, he's revealing just a little bit about who he is. There's so much more. Pursue it. Ask questions. Pay attention. Take notes. Every Sunday, you come together. Take notes of what you're learning. There are other opportunities to study and to learn of, God, of, of God's word and of his son. There's much more we could say. We're, we're pretty much out of time. He's, he's the king of Israel. He's the son of God. What, what does that mean? How does that re- re- relate to, who, to me now? Uh, at the end of chapter 1, is this, is this the Jesus that you worship? Is, is the Jesus that's revealed here the one you know, the one you spend time with every week, the one you partook of his body and was reminded of his death and burial and resurrection this morning? There's so much in the person of Jesus Christ. We'll spend the rest of our lives learning more about him, of growing in our understanding. It's, it's, an, it's a never-ending process, and, and, and that should give you hope. That should give you excitement that I have this person that I can spend the rest of my life getting to know. You know, it's not a static friendship, in other words. I know everything there is to know. Uh Uh-uh. That is not who you're dealing with. You've just scratched the surface in dealing with the infinite creator of the universe who came to this world in flesh and died for us and is preparing eternity for us. There are ideas that are hard to put your mind, wrap your mind around, no matter how many theological degrees you have. There's so much for you in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to, whether you're a believer this morning, I don't want you to be satisfied. If you're an unbeliever this morning, I want you to realize you are really missing the boat. You need to find out who this person is, ask questions of him, get to know him, bug the people who are in this church, and they tell you, until they tell you more about him, do not be satisfied with your life. It, it is short, it is brief, you're dying quickly. No matter how good you look right now, death is coming for you. You better have some answers for what's coming. Don't waste your life on the little pathetic pleasures 
that this world offers us that pretty rapidly kill us, right? Most of the fun stuff is really not doing us very much good. Many times, pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. Get to know him. Follow him. Commit your life to him, whether you're a believer or unbeliever. Let's pray that the Lord would change us in our, as we learn more of him. Our Heavenly Father, we, we barely scratched the surface on this person that you have given us. We were reminded of his death and his burial and his resurrection this morning in the Lord's Supper. And Lord, we, we're thankful for this memorial meal that we can have. We're thankful for the life that was given for us, for the life that has been recorded in your word. Lord, sometimes we think of the, the printed page as dull and boring, but Lord, we're really not paying attention. And, and, and as we scratched the stories of these early disciples and their interaction with your son, uh, we were reminded how, how little we, we ask questions, how, how just simple words reveal incredible truths that we are, we're not very curious about many times. And we pray that you would challenge us with a greater understanding of knowing you, knowing your son, and being enraptured in the glory that is revealed there. Change us, Lord. Don't let us be satisfied with what we know. I pray that we would demand more and that you would provide us with more grace and truth, that we might live lives that change others around us, that change ourselves as we are more conformed to the image of your Son. We pray this in our Savior's name.